What's going on, guys? This is Andrew Bass, and you're listening to Talk Is Bass. Welcome back to Talk Is Bass. This is Andrew, joined as always by my good friend Alec. Um, we are talking uh, the year 2020, our uh, one true promotion 2020 vision, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, yeah, that's just, just it. You know, uh, we got a new decade, a new year, and, uh, we have a lot planned ahead. 2020 vision. I love it. That's a perfect title for tonight's episode. Well played, sir. Well played. So, uh, you want to give, uh, the audience a sort of a reminder of what OTP is? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so one true promotion is a shared, um, promotion brand owned by Andrew and myself. Um, together, we are One True Promotion. Andrew and I are both independently published uh, fiction authors. I am Alec Pangea, author of the Meridian Trilogy. Andrew is Andrew Bast, author of the Sanguinary Series, first book coming out in April of 2020. The two of us are independently active on social media, and we often support each other and cross-promote each other. Um, so we decided to come together for a shared promotion brand and we named it one true promotion and one true promotion basically is a brand by which we promote ourselves. When you see us in public, you will see us tabling together or selling books together under the banner of one true promotion. Uh, we introduce ourselves as the co-founders of one true promotion. We introduce ourselves as two independently published fiction authors who are taking on the market together through one true promotion. And one true promotion is uh, hopefully, uh, most assuredly, one day and um, maybe one day soon going to be able to promote other authors. We will be able to, um, you know, share posts about what work uh, you are doing and uh, what promotions you have to get across the uh, independent market. The indie market is a very uh, dense and populated um, um um, business zone. So it can be difficult to navigate at times. And that's why groups like Andrew and I exist. We hope to be able to give you a one-stop shot to a uh, one-stop shop to uh, easy to understand promotion for your b- brand. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. You uh, mentioned a independent author um, and that's what you are now. And you know, that, that's my next question for you. Today's a very uh, important day for you. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of walk us through that. Like, how are you feeling right now? I feel nothing right now. <laughs> I feel like I am ready to take on all the challenges that life is throwing at me. I have no idea how it's going to go, but I am determined to make it go as smoothly as I possibly can. Um, I, up until today, I've had a publisher backing me and take sharing the responsibility of promotion with me. Now I am headed into the independent market to promote myself on top of writing books myself and, um, working at a day job. So I, um, my imposter syndrome is kicking in nonstop, but I'm fighting through it and I am determined to be a well-selling, uh, indie author. And I mean, it's a a brand new time for you. And I think it's reflective um, of the new book titles that you're uh, promising audiences coming soon. Uh, Your your new book covers, I got a chance to see them. They look phenomenal. Thank you very much. That was the marvelous work of our friend uh, Nikki Ray, who is a a 10 times published indie author on Amazon. 
who is very helpful to um to uh, writers within her uh, community. She runs a business called Metamorphosis Editing Services, which um, provides you editing at a, at a nice discounted price for what you would usually get, um, line editing for your novels, and uh, basically promising to give you a polished, clean manuscript. Um, and she also does cover design. And the cover design she did for Barco's Rules and Living in Fear, my debut fiction novels, was stellar. Yeah, she did my book covers too, and that looked pretty shabby too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and the, saw the that. Best, the best part about it too is uh, we're getting very close to my release date for uh, the cover. I'm now get to actually do a cover reveal coming mm-hmm. up fairly soon. So cover reveal. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. So, so 2020, uh, it's a, <laughs> like I said, it's a new decade. It's a new year. Um, but uh, before we get too far down uh, that lonely road of 2020 um <laughs> we should take a chance to like kind of look back on uh 2019 uh what was 2019 for you 2019 for me was the year where everything changed um i hit a bit of a stagnant point in 2018 um i was uh unsure of my day job i was marketing the uh, same books i had just published um uh, living in fear, which was long in the making, but I had no, no um, pressing plans to write a Phantom Wounded sequel, and I wasn't sure what the fate of the trilogy would be. And then in 2019, the first thing I did was write the first book in my Calipar series, which is uh, a, a major life investment for me. The next thing I did was decide on a um, a uh, trade and a career at my day job. The next thing I did was start one true promotion with you, sir. Um, and the last thing I did was write 70,000 words um, in my second Calipar book and some in my third novel, A Phantom Wound, as well. Develop plans to produce a Patreon and a short fiction saga. And I even met my uh, girlfriend, Carrie, which has been uh, lovely. Yeah, we actually got to get Carrie on the show. I mm-hmm. definitely would like to do that one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's 2019 for Alec Pangea. But what was 2019 like for Andrew Bass? Oh, know? boy. Oh, boy. Um, Here we go. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very interesting because um, you talked about how you kind of felt like you weren't in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of felt like I was, um, wasn't was going anywhere with my writing. Um, and, you know, we went to Horicon. Um, we met the fantastic Chris Jericho. We did. Um, yeah, it was it was something that I was uh, I wasn't really uh, able to get myself to do until I got you know the nudge from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I did it, it felt so much better, and um, it really came to the idea where I just wanted to make changes, um, not only in my personal life but uh, um, in, in my career as well. And um, that's where I really uh, took into action the three hundred sixty five day challenge. Something I originally mm-hmm. saw from an actress. Um, I'm trying to think of her name right now. Uh, plays uh, Nessa Agul on Arrow. Katrina Law. Yeah, Katrina Law. How can I forget the lovely Katrina Law? Mm-hmm. But she did. She did a 365 day challenge, and I remember um, keeping up with her every day when she would uh, post, and like almost all the time she was posting at conventions um, and dancing with her fans. Um, but um, one thing I noticed is that she went, she traveled um, 
pretty much everywhere. And, you know, she would take a picture wherever she went and um, upload uh, for the 365 day challenge. And that was a big uh, thing that I hadn't been doing. Um, my social media accounts were very barren, uh, very little pictures. Uh, so um, I decided uh, April 1st of uh, 2019 that I would um, write more, um, that I would put writing first um, as a priority and uh, that I would um, kind of get out there a little bit more. I would post more on social media. I would uh, be more active, um, try to live uh, a more exciting life, so to speak. And, um, you know, here I am at 283, um, looking down uh, at the end of the challenge, uh, which is coming up fairly uh, soon with 2020 um, now, you know, rolled in, um, you know, it just, it's really crazy to kind of look back at my 2019 and Mm -hmm. uh, where I was and where I actually ended up, you know. Your 2019 was absolutely marvelous, my dude. I was amazed as the three the days of the 365-day challenge just kept rolling in, and I kept seeing you on social media every single day of the week, every single day of the year, and how, mu- and how quickly you produced your, your, first, uh, your rough draft of your first and debut novel. I remember the day you texted me and said, I can't believe it, but um, I'm fixing to finish this thing not even halfway through my 365 day challenge. And I told you right then and there, you've, you've done amazingly. This challenge has, it's liberated you. It's, it's, it's made you more proactive than you've ever been. And great things are going to start happening for you. I mean, you really seized the day this year, my friend, it it was, it was pretty crazy to watch. I have to say. (laughs) Well, you know, that's it though. Um, you know, the original concept of 365 day challenge was to write more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, the primary goal was to get sanguinary song to the point where I can have somebody look at and be like, yeah, this is ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, it it was never meant to, you know, cross the finish line. You know, I, 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 at that point, I didn't think that I could get the story, to the point where it's it's definitely going to get published and that's kind of where it's at now you know mm-hmm. and um you know there, there's a lot of other things that i did and that's definitely one of the things that i'm going to do uh during the 365 day live stream is sort of kind of read off the challenges you know like what what did i do you know for a whole year and one of my most recent um conquests was uh nanorimo um, yeah I, I finished it in something like 12 or 13 days. Yep. Um, I remember I did a, what was it? 50,000 words in like just over a week. Pretty much. You wrote a book mm-hmm. in a week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not only that, but I actually posted um, my highest word count um, and page page count to date mm-hmm. um, within that week. So, yep. uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you never understand how productive you can be until you make the necessary adjustments to um, be productive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So 2020 is here. Um, What, what's first for Alec Pangea author? What is first? Well, 
What's first for me is finishing these two books I've started. I've started Phantom Wound, the third and final Meridian Trilogy novel. I've begun the second book in the uh, Calipar series, Rough Draft, and I intend on finishing that. But also, I think before I um, really embark on either of those, I, I skipped over one. My editor just handed me back the first book in the uh, Calipar series with her edits attached, um, which means that I can now edit the novel into a final draft and put it into the querying process where I search for agents who might pick up the manuscript. So I'm thinking these, these first few weeks, that's going to be my first grand endeavor is producing a, a novel for querying. And uh, for the audience that aren't unfamiliar with it, what is the querying process? The querying process is basically you're pitching yourself across the market, and there's a number of ways that you can do so. But the primary um, ingredients are you write a query letter, which is basically a quick, well-worded, no grammatical mistakes whatsoever. Um, think of it like a job application or a resume. The same principles apply. Um, it is a it is basically your cover letter for your um, manuscript for your story. It's what is it's what the agents are reading and deciding whether or not they want to pick it up and see if it, it has potential. Um, the query letter is a little bit different than a pitch because I believe the um, query letter is um, it's basically like I said it's basically the cover letter. It's what the agents are getting in their inboxes. The uh, I believe it also includes a pitch for your novel, which is a more in-depth synopsis of what the book is about, um, which is basically encouraging them to read it. And um, I do not believe that uh, you send your book file to anyone unless they reach out to you and they want to consider putting you through to a publishing house. Um, obviously, if you send your manuscript out into the market, they could just take it and never give it back. So that's a that's something that we don't do. But yeah, um, the first step is you write a very well-worded query letter, just like you write cover letters and, and uh, resumes for job applications. And, uh, you know, what, what kind of uh, supported you in making that decision, uh, especially with the starting of OTP? Well, um, I have friends who have done work, who have done internship work and um, college courses um, in um, – traditional publishing and they've shared some uh, tips and tricks of the trade with me. And um, they've introduced me to some really rad things that people do when they're pitching their novels, such as pitch slams. Think of like a comic con, a pitch slam is basically a convention for writers that agents um, established agents attend and they actually invite you to pitch your work to them in person at their tables. And they tell you right then and there, whether or not it's something they would ever consider taking up. Or they'll tell you that maybe it, it's not something that they would take up unless, of course, you made the following dramatic changes to the manuscript. Um, a pitch slam is um, not uh, cheap to uh, get your ticket to, but I'm told that it is a very worthwhile experience that gives you some deep insight, in-depth insight into the traditional market. So those are just some things. I have friends surrounding me who have made me aware of the process and aware of the fact that of how the process works and um, some things I might be able to do to market my book. And outside of that, it's just sort of the, you know, like I was saying earlier, the independent market is extremely competitive and a guy like me is going to deal with some low readership. 
Um, it's, it's natural. It's a part of the business. There are millions of authors in the world and there are a million authors on the indie market. So a starter like me, who's just working on my own and is learning the ropes, I have a lot of mistakes left to make. I have a lot of uh, trials left to go through. And a lot of what I write is going to deal with some low readership. So that got me thinking that maybe the Calipar, which is a very, very cherished um, uh, story that I've had for 10 years, I might want to save for the uh, traditional process just to see if I can get it there. Now, the other thing, the last thing that made me realize that I definitely want to take a risk on querying is that I've, I've done some research and I have read increasingly that when a novel is self-published, it is very unlikely that agents will ever, ever give it a chance at a uh, traditional house. If they see that it's already been published, they don't want to, uh, you know, they have no interest in it. So that made me get a little bit more tactical about what I put out and when I want to put it out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it really is a um, scary process when you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the difference between you and I at this point is you already have books out. You know, you've already mm -hmm. gone through that experience with a publisher already and you haven't done the querying process up until this point but you, i know you've always wanted to mm -hmm. so it's like for you it's like you can experiment and give it give it a try while you're working on your meridian series right um yeah. but for me it's like all right well you know i had a goal you know my goal was to get published mm -hmm. you know and now absolutely I want to well and that was my goal when i joined seven horns a couple of years ago um i was shocked that the first person i sent my manuscript to was part of a publishing house, a small publishing house, um, uh, sort of a form of, um, it's kind of called boutique press. Um, and we could talk a little bit about that later if we so choose. But basically I was, I was shocked that my very first manuscript ever, ever um, sent out was given a definite yes by a small company. And I was very excited to hop on board. And that's exactly what I did. I took the first deal that was offered to me and I became a published author. In the two years that have followed, I've started to think more about how do I want to do the business and, um, you know, what is my best strategy? Not for making money, because this really isn't about money, but what is my best strategy to ensure that my books are being read by as many people as possible, that I'm not doing anything on my end to limit the number of sales that I can get and the number of people that can see the content and experience the content. And how's that transition been for you, you know, going from being with that uh, publishing house to sort of being independent? Well, the uh, process was very smooth. Um, I had a series of very cordial and lovely discussions with my publisher, Tasha Grant. Um, and um, I explained everything that I was thinking and feeling and the direction that I felt I wanted to take my personal brand. And I politely explained how I felt that that direction differed from the vision that Seven Horns had for um, their authors. So um, we had a very uh, open, honest discussion about that. And she blessed and, um, you know, signed off on my decision to do so and agreed to return the rights to my work back to me. And we parted on very nice terms. Since then, it's just been on my end, sort of this, you know, bumpy uh, process of figuring out uh, my stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, so, like, there's so. a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of the people that are listening to this right now, I've seen my marketing <laughs> campaign, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, you know, constant engagement. And there's still so much more that they don't even know about that are coming, you know. Um, you know, we, we talked about doing, like, uh, OTP commercials, uh, you know, for, for our books, you know, to generate interest. Um, you talked about Patreons, and we have our own social media shows. Yep. Um, you know, so it, there's all that stuff that kind of goes into a nice little uh, bow. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's much different. Um, than a publisher telling you to do something when and where, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it is improvised too. Like my plan originally when I left seven horns was that I was going to primarily market myself through talk about a Tuesday, my Facebook live where I um, sit on camera and just directly give my subscribers the update of what's going on this week and what they can expect to see from me. And uh, my second show, Drop a Line, which is my live interview chat show on Instagram Live, where I communicate with other authors pretty much across the globe. Um, we have our tomorrow night, we have our next transatlantic visitor from London coming on the show, which is extremely exciting. But those two shows are basically all that I thought I was going to do to market myself. But then out of nowhere, I suddenly gained the idea to do live readings on my Instagram account. And I added a third show into the mix. Because what often ends up happening is you look at your um, followers, you look at your engagement, you look at your promotions, you look at all the numbers. And if you think the numbers have got to increase, you just kind of, if you're like me, you just kind of start coming up with more and more ideas to just get more active and get more visible and, um, you know, get more people interested. So, you know, it it, it can kind of be a self-evolving process as it goes. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the live readings, uh, what made you decide to do those live readings? Uh, how much of a benefit are they going to be to you going forward? Well, it's unclear at this time um, what the benefits will be. Um, I know that people seem to enjoy it. Uh, people have said that they enjoy listening to me read my work live. I've done giveaways. Um, uh, I've done live giveaways on my Instagram and Facebook accounts where I did some sort of webcam event. And, um, um, that sounded somewhat, um, pornographic. I apologize, but where I did, you know, a live streaming event and, um, I basically, um, uh, for attendings, people had the opportunity to earn gifts like copies of my book or pieces of merchandise or signed, um, you know, doohickeys, you know, or what have you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and for one of those live events on Halloween, I did a live reading of my book and the reception to it in the comments section was very positive. It was very strong. They enjoyed listening to me read. And I just got the idea that I could hop on camera and read the whole book in a series of lives throughout the year and just see if, you know, being that active and visible on social media will have people, you know, kind of visiting me as more part of their daily uh, routines. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I see a lot of authors actually do this on uh, Instagram. Um, I've been friending a lot more authors uh, in recent months. And um, yeah, it it seems like live readings is something that uh, the independent scene sort of hides and or has in high value there. Uh Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, the most important thing to uh, a creator is their creation. You know what I'm saying? 
And I think that in the indie community, um, a platform for the work to be read and experienced is definitely held to the highest value. Absolutely. So uh, in, in terms of uh, one true promotion, we, we got the 2020 vision set. We got Sanguinary Song uh, set the debut in 2020. We have um, Phantom Wound coming out um, in 2021 uh, at, at this point, right? Uh-huh. And then you have your uh, Meridian sagas that you're working on. Yes, sir. So uh, take us through that uh, process uh, of sort of um, changing direction. We talked about what your plans were for the Galapar and how they sort of changed, right? Um, so, you know, what kind of puts you in that position, you know, um, having to sort of rearrange your goals? Well, um for me, um, it was a conversation I had with a friend. I was um, adamant for some time, as you know, that I was going to put Calipar out independently in fall of 2020. Um, I'm glad that I didn't um, at this point in the process because it just occurred to me that um, that this book is going to require a lot of work of me um, and possibly a couple more read-throughs before I query it. Um, I'm not sure at this time, but it, I definitely had the thought last week that it's a good thing that I decided not to rush this one, this one in particular, because like I said before, I wrote this, I wrote a synopsis for this particular novel story when I was 18 years old. I'm, uh, I'm about to be 28 this upcoming May. So it's 10 years in the making. It's something that was close enough to my heart to be uh, kept and, and nurtured for that long. And I just want to get it right. You know, I don't I don't want to uh, I'm I'm not beyond independently publishing it. It's something I make sure if the query process doesn't really work out for me. But what I really didn't want to do with it was release it to to um, to a small um, network of readers. You know, I'm I'm at this point, I'm just now embarking on the process of growing my followers and growing my readership. So I kind of want to, you know, what I really realized was that I want to focus on getting my readership up and getting my following up before I'm comfortable just tossing books out to, um, to uh, you know, my indie following. I want my indie following to be something that can really kind of, you know, get the word of mouth around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you, you have this point where you have to decide, am I doing Calipari? And you just say, hey, I want to query it. Which uh, is fine and all. And it's like, well, now what are you doing for 2020 and beyond? And your solution was to finish the Meridian trilogy and to look at the Meridian sagas. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Phantom Wound um, has been sitting on my desk for a little while. I've had I've gone through, um, I think, something like almost eight or nine outlines for how this novel could possibly go. Um, the ending of living in fear, my second novel put me in a position where I actually have a lot of freedom for the third book in the Meridian trilogy, um, as opposed to working towards a definitive scene at the end of the third book, I actually reached a very definitive moment in the final, um, chapters of living in fear book two, but there is still more to tell. So it left me with a lot of freedom for how I want to approach this next story. And because of that, I got very tripped up. I got very indecisive. And I really just had to step away from it for a little while 
to ensure that I was in the right frame of mind and that I could give um, people who have followed this trilogy the best possible ending. And, um, and I think that I'm fast approaching the point. I have begun drafting the, the um, novel and I believe I'm fast approaching the point where I do know what I, I do understand my own vision for this third and final book. I do understand my vision for the ending and what it all means, what it all, you know, the meaning of the whole trilogy, why, why we read books one and two in the first place. I believe that book three now has a pretty good answer to that question that fans will be satisfied with. And uh, yeah, then you have Meridian Sagas. Um, the, the, the Meridian trilogy is all about the serial killer, Justin Barker, a superhuman from a place called the Meridian, where a society of criminal superhumans basically taught him that he was above other people, which leads him to kidnapping Melanie Greer, the protagonist of the novels, who suffers through the, um, the crimes of Barker. The trilogy is very much about Barker and Melanie and Melanie's family. And that's, and that's, and that all ends in the trilogy, but throughout various points in um, the novels, the Meridian killers do appear and they've had an impact on the characters in this trilogy. So I thought telling their story and really diving into that world would make for another great series. And I didn't want to do another trilogy. I just, you know, it didn't really come to me that way. And I decided on a short fiction saga. Are you following Alec Pangea's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram posts? Are you getting news directly from his stories? Do you ever wish you could sit and listen to latest updates before they even drop on social media? Well, Talk About It Tuesday is the place for you to be. Live on Facebook at Alec Pangea Author, you get to spend 30 minutes with the man himself. Ask him questions, promote your books, share your social media links. Alec invites all of his Talk About It Tuesday viewers to share in positive and fast-moving community experience. Streams on Facebook Tuesdays at 9 p.m. That's Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on Facebook Live. So we're talking about uh, all these ideas here and, uh, you know, I, I've been juggling uh, stories. You know, I've been working on Auto Realm. I've been working on Sanguinary Song. I've been working mm-hmm. on other titles. I just started a new, uh, interesting title called Oathmaker, um, which is more of like a medieval historical like genre. Um, so my question to you is um, being able to juggle topics. Right, right now you're working on Calipar. You're working on the Meridian Sagas. You're working on the Meridian Trilogy. How do you find that balance? You know, it's not always easy. Um, For about three months, I focused very heavily on Calipar. I wrote it every morning, at least a thousand words in the morning before work. Um, But when the decision happened that I was going to work on that project as a longer term engagement, um, but that I wanted to have Phantom Wound out much much sooner, I tried to shift for a little while in December to Phantom Wound to get some of those chapters done to kind of get ahead of the game a little bit. And um, it actually didn't go very well. I actually ended up taking a month off because I was trying to force myself into a mindset that I really wasn't in. I was in the mindset to write Calipar. 
So balance is tricky for me. My head really wants to go a certain way most days, and um, it can make it difficult to put out a succinct uh, series um, when you're just kind of going with the flow and doing what feels right in the moment. But I will say this, I am very, um, whereas in the past, I would focus on one, two, three, four, five stories at a time and have several different files going and not getting much done. For this entire past year, since 2019 began, I have been able to focus most of the time on either A, Calipar, or B, Meridian. So I really have managed to narrow down my focus to two novel series which is encouraging to me because that's the first step. The second step is consistency to me. It's writing a little bit every single day so that if you sit down with one book, um, you're getting back to it, not next week, but the very next day when that next day of your routine comes up and same goes for phantom wound. I might not, I, if I'm, if my head is all full of Calipar this week, um, Phantom Moon might be coming next week instead of next month or next year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, and for me, I think it's with the 365 day challenge, it's more or less not a consistency problem with me. It's more or less a um, what do I want to focus my time on? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's fall or, you know, it's winter at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, the goal was fall, I start back on the Sanguinary series. Um, but, you know, my process was, okay, I worked all year on Sanguinary Song. Um, for the summer, I was going to try something entirely different, which is when I found Auto Realm. Mm-hmm. And I did I nothing but Auto Realm uh, short stories. I did a whole bunch of the short stories all summer and, and you know, all through um, November. Um and now I kind of find myself um, doing chapters here and there of book two of the Sanguinary series. And, um, you know, I got into a, a place where, you know, I know what direction my book is going, but I ha- I've been having a hard time starting my book off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have so many first chapters yeah. written for book two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I almost joked with you the other day because I came out with another idea Um not only for this, uh, the book going forward, but um, for this opening scene. And, um, you know, I was kind of tallying all the finished chapters. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of content I don't want to discard, you know, so, uh, so easy. But I, at the same time, there's a lot of content that I've already written that I don't think will fit into this current projection of book two. And I'm like, you know, well, they're gonna have to be extra chapters I just throw in for like fans or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Just where they got to place it in, you know, where right. they like. Right. Um, but, you know, it, I, I got this new um, idea for Oathmaker. And it seems like I'm at the moment what I'm focusing on now is Oathmaker and um, book two of the Sanguinary series. And uh, I feel like two books is a um, easy limit to kind of manage. Um, of course, you know, here and there, I might say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to work on the novel. I want to work on a short story and um, go back to auto realm for a bit, you know? Um, But, you know, uh, when it, when it comes to balance, it can be so tricky. And I I, I really feel for you um, in that aspect. But um, I think that's one of the things that kind of make um, the 365 day challenge shine 
is yes. that you know you are getting that consistency in and the consistency is the most important thing because even if i'm working on multiple projects yeah. i'm still getting work done you That's know absolutely. Like none of those chapters go to waste Absolutely. And they really don't go to waste. Even if you don't publish something, just that mental exercise of writing out all those chapters can only do you good. Because um, every artist, a writer, a painter, a sculptor, you have to, you know, you have to labor over something to get good at what you're doing. You know what I mean? You have to paint a lot. You have to write a lot. You have to, you know, carve stone and wood a lot in order to make something beautiful. It's just the only way that that happens unless you, you know, are, are some kind of a prodigy. So, I mean, um, so, and so really the way I look at it is very positive. You know, even if the work, even if nobody but you ever sees the work, the work is doing something for you. It's never a waste. And the other thing I wanted to point out is that, you know, I love that we're on this idea of consistency because more and more I'm realizing that a lot of what causes, you know, I think um, writer's block, which I think really mostly hits us when we go into, you know, either um, locked down or depressive states of mind where we're not sure how we want to proceed. We're not sure how we're going to get to the next step in life. We're not sure. Um, we, we don't really have a blueprint for what we want to do next. And we kind of just sort of sit around you know, kind of despairing about it. You know, it happens to the best of us. And I think that a lack of consistency is a, is, is a very um, easy road to that. Because if you're balancing three books and you feel like you're not going to write until next month, you know, you start to feel like you're not going to be able to do this idea in your head until next year. Whereas if you are there at the grind, even if it's just a thousand words a day, for those of you who might not know, 1000 words, double spaced is two and a half pages in a word document. That's all it is. If you're there at the grind doing, doing almost three pages a day, Stephen King does six and you know how many books he's published. Um, if you're there just writing three pages a day of something, then all those things you want to do on your list, they're really just around the corner. Because you're working faster, you're working consistently, and it's all going to get done. It's just a matter of, of pushing through. You know, it's funny, too, because you mentioned the um, that negative Nancy word, you know, mm -hmm. uh, writer's block. Everybody yeah. hates writer's block. All writers hate writer's block. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with the 365-day <laughs> challenge, uh, 283 days in, I still haven't had writer's block. Mm -hmm. I've had issues where I, you know, am trying to choose between which story to write. And I think that's a fantastic problem to have. Yes. It's just, you know, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that routine once it sets in, mm -hmm. um, it makes it very difficult for you to kind of get, you know, staggered, you know, yep. I, I feel, I feel like I'm able to kind of latch on to <laughs> what my goals are and what I want to do. And, you know, writing shouldn't be a, uh, annoying it shouldn't be a chore it should be something that you right. enjoy right and if you're going in there and writing anything you know mm -hmm. then it's wonderful absolutely and if i could call attention to something else i think that goal setting is very important and i think it's important for a person to understand themselves and understand what goals and individualized you know um education routines really work for them because i noticed one big detail about you over the, as the 365 day challenge took off, 
Um, I noticed it and you actually mentioned it to me um, in conversation, but um, you're a person who really cares about keeping your promises. You know what I mean? If, if you say publicly that you're going to do something, you get the motivation to do it. You don't want to be seen as the guy who said he was going to do something and then backed out and, and disappeared off the map. That's just something you don't want to do. So the fact that you began your challenge with, um, with a, a post every day that explained what you were going to do for this day of the challenge, that was your mantra for that day. You wrote that down. You put it out into the world. You said today is going to be about this. And I want to say a good 95 to 98% of the time, that is exactly what you did on each of those days. You said, all right, here are today's goals. And, um, but you didn't want to be seen breaking those goals. So you chose to make that information public. And I think that that gave you a lot of motivation because you understood your own needs and formed your goals based on that. Well, it was just the idea. Like you talk about 95, you know, percent uh-huh. and uh, there there's so many things that you might announce that um you know you can't do in a day you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. hey you want to i want to write this chapter and sometimes <laughs> you don't write a chapter you know that's right sometimes it's like multiple things mm-hmm. and you know this whole oath breaker <laughs> thing kind of came from that mentality you know mm-hmm. that i had to do something say like, hey your word is your bond you know it's almost a yes man mentality right you know right. it's the idea you say something you got to do it mm-hmm. and um you know you know picking back up at the point where you know i was like well i have so many chapters for book two that i you know won't put in you know the finished copy but you know i, I i'm here because i want to be an innovator you know i joined one promotion be- uh, one true promotion because i want to be an innovator you know there's so many things that I want to do with one true promotion to kind of change the game for the way independent authors um, promote and sell their books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that came up into my mind was you have all these extra chapters just sitting there. Why not get them edited and have them as like a pre-order bonus or something like that? Like, Hey, these are chapters that didn't make it into the, um, you know, the book, but they're canon, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, that's just one of the things that, you know, I have been working on to sort of, you know, break the mold because, you know, (laughs) you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of, you know, the stuff that I do is almost like video games, right? Because, you know, you have bonus content. Oh, yeah. um, You know, you order the DLC. Mm -hmm. And here I'm talking about extra chapters for a pre-order bonus. You know, it's I I, I think that literature can be that exciting Uh and could also um you know give you a chance to kind of do something a little bit more modern i think that's what um our process is sort of missing you know um we have the old school um concept where okay we go and and quarry the book and um you know that's the process we let the publisher do the work for you um but you know, the independent author scene is um, something that's been growing. Yeah. Um, and you have to kind of stay um, out in front of the game. You know, you got to do things other people aren't. And um, I think a lot of my ideas um, could potentially open the door for like this new um, concept with how you uh, consume literary media, you know? Sure. Absolutely. And if you have an idea, you have a leg up on the market. You know, you just got to get that idea out there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important for once your promotion to operate under the idea of, you know, um, you know, if they're um, doing this and nobody else is doing it, then, um, you know, you have a potential idea that can draw people in. And, uh-huh. you know, that's, that's super important in this market to be able to be um, different than yep. everyone else. To be innovative. To, yeah. be, to be innovative in an era where presumably everything has already been done. It's a challenge, but it's not impossible. So once your promotion, we're two guys um, bringing our story content together. What does that uh, really mean for everyone listening here today? Well, it means first and foremost, it means that there are two different artists that they um, have a one-stop shop to um, experiencing uh, the content of um, through our Amazon sales and through our public uh, appearances and hand-to-hand sales and through our Patreon accounts and through our social media. They can experience all of the books, short stories, uh, poems, if we ever do that. And uh, promotions, you know, such as graphics and media spots and shows and live streams and interviews and podcasts such as Talk is Best and also, um, uh, you know, deals on merchandise and, um, uh, you know, gifts. Um, it, one true promotion is the pl- spot that they visit to get if, if there's a follower of Alec Pangea out there, there's a follower of Andrew Best out there. And they really want to get in on the action. One true promotion is where they go. It's where you can find us. And the other thing that it can, that it um, can mean as it grows is that um, other artists will get to be able to take advantage of that one stop shop. Yeah, there's so many things that we're we're teaching ourselves um, to do, and it's like I just um, talked to you yesterday about um, learning how to do the interior of the book. Like I already know how to do the interior. Uh, through Adobe InDesign, but man, that process was such a what such a snail. I know. And um, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, um, you you kind of have this um, process where you have to cut up the author's story, yep. chapter by chapter. Um, you have to format each um, word. You have to format, um, <laughs> you know, the font. You have to make sure the margins are good. And then you have to put each and every one of those chapters into their own separate folder within an overall folder in InDesign. And um, from there, you actually have to connect the book together. Like you have to make the cover page, you have to make the, um, you know, acknowledgements page, you know, so on and so forth until you get done. Um, for uh, for uh, the fans here that don't know, I was actually a key component in um, putting together Alex's second book, Living in Fear. He was. And, um, man, that process took, I would say, at least a good three to four weeks um, to put it together. But uh, through modern technology and through uh, independent uh, means, there are other ways you could put the book together, which, you know, much easier than I did, you know. Um, You can actually format a book through uh, Microsoft Word um, and Amazon um, Kindle Direct Publishing has, um, you know, nice little, um, you know, step-by-step procedures on how mm-hmm. to do so. And, like I found a mm-hmm. wonderful link and 
um, I can actually post this in like my daily challenges for anybody who might be interested. Well, and that, um, and sorry to cut you off, but that's um, one of the major benefits of one true promotion. Anything we learn, you can learn by visiting one true promotion, because we are going to assemble all of the information that we pick up and it'll be available right there. Yeah. It, it, I call it the golden goose, dude. Absolutely. I really do. Because not only does it have, step-by-step instructions and when i mean step-by-step instructions not only does it tell you what to do it shows you what to do it has screenshots attached to it Mm -hmm. Um, and not only that but it also has a chart that tells you what the trim sizes should be for the interior of the book Mm -hmm. based on a set amount of page count so from one page to 150 pages the trim size should be this the bleed should be this this is what you're looking for, which mm-hmm. is super valuable for um, an independent author, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it seems like it's much less complicated than um, right. ripping apart your story, put it in the separate folder, <laughs> making all the stuff by yourself. Oh, yeah. You have your own little template that is much easier to get access to. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Yep. And I cannot stress enough that um, because you and I under One True Promotion do all of this work together, um, following One True Promotion, if you're interested in learning this stuff, is a great way to just share and all of the knowledge that Andrew and I cobble together and to learn how to be able to do these things for your own books and your own work. Well, one of the big goals about One True Promotion right from the start was, um, and this is what I wanted for um, and I know you did too, of course, mm-hmm, but you know, mm-hmm. this was a major thing for me. Oh, yeah. Is that if we did do one true promotion, it can't just be about us. I mean, right. yeah, it, it is just about us. But, you know, at the same time, my big thing was I wanted edu- the education part of it. I wanted to be able to give back um, to people that were in my position. I mean, you know, for those of you who don't really know, I mean, I'm coming in from a complete um novice perspective you know of course i worked with seven horns publishing um as a you know an intern and Mm -hmm. kind of learned a little bit about the business and everything like Mm -hmm. that but um there's so much that they didn't tell me Mm -hmm. not that they you know were hiding anything right but there's so much that you know even they need to learn you know just everybody needs to learn something else and you know I got to this point where, you know, I'm seeing this whole new side of things Mm -hmm. from the side that they don't focus on because they have their own thing going on. Right. I was just going to say, yeah, that companies often have a specific direction that they like to go in. And one of the benefits of being an independent artist is that you get to uh, inspect all the different avenues that are available to you. Kind of like what I'm doing now with indie publishing one series and querying the other. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's it's up to um, publishing uh, companies or publishing uh, entities like us to kind of um, lay the foundation for young authors that yes. may need that guidance going forward. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the way I kind of look at it, it is, you know, you have the old um, saying that, you know, don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated, you know, uh-huh. or treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them. And, And, um, you know, it's the same concept for me. It's like, hey, you know, if I'm starting this process and I'm going through the independent, um, you know, route and 
I have no idea on how to do this. You know, I would want the next person to have no uh, worries going forward. They can go right to one true promotion and be like, oh, this is how you format your book. Absolutely. Oh, this is how much a good price is for editing your book. These are people you might want to go to yep. um, for uh-huh. business and editing. Yep. Here's a good person for cover design, you know? Absolutely. Yep. The one true promotion phone book. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, there's so many things that we've tried going forward. Like we talk to artists yep. um, doing doing things for our book. I've, I've got a really cool concept um, that I can't get mm-hmm. too much into at this point. But, you know, I'm expecting um, a nice little design uh, coming my way shortly. And, um, well, you know, having that, you know, asset on our side is a good yeah. thing for not only us, but for other authors that might want to take that route. Absolutely. And, you know, that got me, that gets me thinking, you know, I think that one way, one true promotion, you and I really are an asset, um, is that, you know, sometimes, uh, well-established companies, they already have all their people they want to use for these things. And it makes entry level jobs very difficult. So, you know, one thing that I think is really great about what we're doing is that we can really reach out and work with our local artists. Um, The few people we've talked to about um, doing a cover design and artwork for for us um, um, that we've, you know, that we've paid to uh, work for us. Tom, for instance, they jump right up. They jump at the opportunity to um, uh, work with us. Um, a couple people, more than one person, um, more than one of my guests on Dropaline have jumped up and said, I'm super excited to be coming on this chat show because I've never done this before. I mean, there are a lot of people down here at the local level that just don't have the kind of platform or entry level opportunity to kind of flex their muscles a bit. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I think one true promotion really can offer to people who come into contact with us. I mean, I love to take um, people, you know, and, you know, give them like a tour of how to do things. And, you mm-hmm. know, I would like to bring them on at some point, you know, for one true promotion. And, you know, sort of, I, you know, if this, this thing really takes off, I would love to have a team. Absolutely. You know, um, and, you know, like, you know, the two of us were doing this um, sort of a, in a, as a volunteer basis, you know, we have other things that we're doing, but, you know, the big thing is that we give back. So, I mean, I would love to get a, a creative team of people and um, businesses that would um, would like to contribute to young authors and um, love to have that sort of mutual respect to where, you know, everybody has a fair chance to do what they are dreaming of doing. Absolutely. Yep. The process that, is already too complicated. You might as well uncomplicated. Absolutely. That should be our mantra, our slogan. Uncomplicated. <laughs> so um, what about uh, events coming up? Um, I know we've been talking about doing, um, you know, the bowling alley or other thing, but do you have any other events that um, you're looking into for one true promotion in the future? Anything you might want to revisit? Well, I will definitely, um, I would definitely like to revisit um, the 4-H group, the 4-H 
South Jersey group in which we did the uh, Gloucester County Fair over the summer. Um, that was an event where I was very surprised to sell seven books over the course of a few hours. And it was uh, very cheap to get into. So I think that that's a, a great avenue to explore. I'll definitely be doing the Collingswood Book Festival when it rolls around in October. Um, and I definitely think that um, I would like to get in touch with a couple of colleges, such as Stockton and Rowan. Stockton is my alma mater. It's where I graduated from. And I would definitely like to go back and engage some of the students there and give them an idea of, you know, what this small duo of individuals is um, experiencing in the post-graduation life. I think that would be a golden opportunity to really come in and make an in a difference and make an impact. And yeah, that's what comes to mind at the moment. Other than that, I'm, uh, I'm uh, still figuring that out, what events we're going to end up um, paying for and uh, committing to in 2020. Well, the Gloucester County 4-H Fair was a lovely event. Absolutely. Very, very nice. And, you know, um, it was only a day, you know, it was only a day, but, um, in, in those few hours, we met, uh, amazing people. Um, we, um, sold some books for you, like you said, and, um, you know, we kind of got brought into the, the family, so to speak, you know, they, they gave us a list of events that they do. And, um, yep. I definitely want to go back there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we did HorrorCon, um, you know, there's there's other events that go on around HorrorCon I'd like to um, to look into. Absolutely. Um, sort of like the Deppert Mall, uh, for example. Deppert, oh, yeah. Deppert Mall actually did a um, book event um, that a lot of people from one of your recent uh, events went to um, with the um, in from the event in Cherry Hill. Oh, uh, Arts and Authors Extravaganza. Arts and Authors, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, they all did the um, the Deffert Mall when we did HorrorCon, mm -hmm. and um, you know I would love to see the turnout for that. You know, especially when you go to something like the mall in October. All right, well, uh, we talked a lot about our 2020 goals, but uh, let's talk a little bit about our writing process. You want to go oh, first, boy. or should I? Sure, I'll go. Um, okay. So my writing process, um, lately I've been doing morning writing challenges. So I get up, um, I said, I go into work at, um, uh, I clock in at eight 40 and it's about a 40 minute trip with traffic. So I leave about quarter of eight, um, to give myself some time. So I set an alarm for about five 30 AM. Um, and I set another that I set my snooze for five 30, mind you. And I set my alarm for quarter of six. I get up, I shower, I put myself together, I get into my work clothes, I get everything ready to go. And then uh, I try to do all of this by six or um, like quarter after six or 6.30. That pretty much gives me from 6.30 to 7.30 to sit down and do an hour of work. I sit down either at my desk or at the kitchen table. And I kind of just think about what's on my mind. Is it, um, is it the current... Uh, um, uh, is it Phantom Wound? Is it the second Calipar novel, both of which are in drafting? Is it my current short story for the Meridian sagas? Is it um, right, lately I've, I've tossed in just editing and, uh, you know, rewriting for the first Calipar book, The Children of Ark? I just see what's on my mind that morning, what I'm what I'm really feeling that I might be able to get down and get busy with for that allotted hour of time. I set myself a timer. I set myself a one hour timer. 
um, when the timer goes off, it's time to get my stuff and get in the car and go to work. And um, basically, while the numbers are going down, I pace myself. I see how many minutes I have left. I think about what I can do within those minutes. And I work on getting the minimum of 1,000 words or 2,000, 3,000. Depends on how much energy I have. But that's my morning process. I try to do that five days a week. I try to do a little bit more on the weekends. Sometimes if I have an idea at night when I come home, I try to squeeze in a little bit extra. But the way I described it on one of my um, social media posts was um, basically, you know, I had written um, 8,000 words over the course of five days between all of those sessions. If I could sit down for six hours on a Saturday and do another 8,000, I could do, um, um, what is that? That's, uh, that's 16,000. I could do 16,000 words in a week following that routine. It's all about that consistency. It's all about the building blocks that go into it. And yeah, I basically just make it my morning routine in addition to, you know, showering and eating and getting on the road. And, and yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it as of recently. <laughs> See, for me, it's like, um, it's all goal oriented, right? So, so uh-huh. the first thing I do is I get out, all right, <laughs> I wake up, I, um, make my poop <laughs> and then I, uh, go and make myself breakfast. Uh-huh. Whether that's oatmeal or, um, you know, you know, I might cook myself, um, you know, eggs and bacon or something like that. And, um, you know, always have my cup of, uh, excuse me for a second. I'm going to, I'm going to transform into uh baby Yoda, but I, you know, I want my hot shocky. <laughs> okay. I want my hot shocky in the morning. If mm-hmm. I don't have my hot chalky in the morning, then uh, mm-hmm. I want my hot tea, mm-hmm. hot tea or hot chalky in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I do that, um, I'm either watching something on YouTube, whether it's um, a game walkthrough. Um, a lot of times I watch like challenge runs, like Dark Souls challenge runs, because it's something that I want to try one day is a challenge run with no damage. Can you imagine people actually career and no damage playthroughs of Dark Souls. Yeah. Like, I'm actually watching somebody who holds the world world, uh, world record, right? Yep. For a no damage run on the entire Dark Souls trilogy. Wow. And it took him, like, three and a half hours to do. That is somebody who has committed himself to getting extremely good at a video game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's like if I'm not if I'm not watching that, I um, tend to sit aside and uh, read a book. Um, I've been doing really nice with reading books. Um, over <laughs> uh, Christmas break, I read two books. Nice. Um, so it's just like uh, you know, I, I really try to set aside time for uh, reading in the morning, and um, I leave about an hour early for work, and that's when I start writing. Um, as soon as I get to work, I get right to the break room and I start writing and, um, I don't stop until I have to go, um, to my duty in the morning. So when all the kids are seeing me, um, out in the curb, I've already had my hot chalky. Otherwise I'm miserable. Uh And I've, uh, you know, I've had food and I've, uh, written a little bit. So I've woken up just a tad bit. Um, and then from there, um, Really, it all focuses on what am I in the mood for, you know? I um, write um, throughout the day, 
but um, I end up reading a lot more. I've, nice. I've realized uh, as of um, the past two or three weeks, um, sometimes I just, you know, I want to keep going and see what my character is going to get into next. So, um, you know, I'll just, you know, sit in my room and, and read. Um, but a good uh, policy that I've kept um, in terms of writing um, is the same way I did for homework. And I tell the kids the story all the time. Um, during college, what I would do is um, I would want to play video games instead of doing a project. And um, I would tell myself, I'm going to play Dark Souls now. And the first time I die, I put the controller down and I go write, you know, three pages of my assignment or whatever it was. Interesting. Um, and, you know, especially with something like Dark Souls, as we are well aware of, and if you're not very aware of it, go watch our gaming adventures episode. It's our most popular on uh, the Anchor app. Um, Dark Souls is very unforgiving. You so died. Put my... Yeah, you died, gets plastered on the screen. Um, but every time I would get killed off in the game, I'd go and I'd do work. And um, I sort of adopted the same policy here. If I want to play games and I die in a video game, I go and I write or I go and I read, right? Um, I also do it during television. I'm always watching wrestling. Um, in fact, um, right now it's 7.30 on a Wednesday at 8 o'clock, NXT starts. And then AEW is on it as well. So it's like um, there's a lot of wrestling that I'm going to be watching and a lot of commercial breaks. And my goal is whenever there's a commercial break, I should be doing something productive. So if I ever have a commercial break, I should be reading or I should be writing. Mm -hmm. I should be doing something. And that's sort of been my process. Um, you know, I don't really set aside specific times to write. It's just that I try to, um, use every available um, time to my advantage. And it's like I tell students all the time, if you do that method where you're kind of doing a little bit here and there, um, you're going to be finishing your work so early that, you know, you know, you can end up like me and in my sociology class where I legit um, finished my entire semester's worth of work in one month. And I had two months just to mess around and write my book. Wow. That's I mean, really it's something. incredible. It, it's incredible, like, how much you can get done just by, you know, setting up rules like that. So it's like, it's it's fun, interesting rules. You put yourself in a, a challenging position, and you're either going to get better at the game or you're going to get your work done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's like now I, I've been playing through <laughs> Shakiro, and I've, I've, I can count on two hands the amount of times that I've died on Shakiro. Uh -huh. So obviously that that uh, routine has not only helped my um, writing, but it's also helped my gaming. Yeah, that's right. That's very good. It's nice to hear about our uh, illustrious host for a little bit, you know, kind of see the face behind all the magic and what your daily life uh, really is. This is awesome. So uh, we're winding down on the happy trail or um, getting ready to ride off into the sunset, as I always uh, oh boy. put it. Um, oh, but, boy. uh, first what we're going to do is we're going to come back and we're going to have the first hot seat episode um, of 2019. 20. That's right. 2020. Yep. See, I have to get used to that. I know. I know. <laughs> so first hot seat of 2020 heading your way. Are you an author, poet, artist, 
or gamer? Do you have something to promote? Would you like to reach online viewers completely free of charge? Alec Pangea's Drop-A-Line is a live stream for you. Drop-A-Line streams through Instagram Live featuring Alec and you. Come on Drop-A-Line for a casual live chat where you could spend up to 45 minutes promoting your book, game, website, company, and more. Drop-A-Line has already featured guests phoning in from countries overseas and viewership is growing day by day. Alex's dream is to network with as many talented artists as possible and see their shared following grow exponentially. Drop-A-Line is committed to that goal, and you could be his next guest. Drop-A-Line streams Thursdays at 9 p.m. on Instagram Live. To get in on Drop-A-Line, follow him at Alec Pangea Author on Instagram to schedule your spot. Drop a line is a really awesome uh, promotional tool. Um, I've been on it several times. It's done wonders for my writing career. I know it's actually helped a lot of people um, with their own projects. So if you're looking for some way to promote your business, drop a line is the place for you. And uh, welcome back to another episode of the hot seat. Alec is stuck. In another one of these uh, hot seats, you know, Alex. Um, you know, one of these days we got a uh, roll reverse, and I got to be the one stuck in the hot seat. Give you. Oh, no, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> I'll be sadistic after all you put me through. <laughs> Maybe the sanguinary um, episode because that's mm-hmm. gonna, that's going to be coming up soon, uh, very mm-hmm. very soon. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's jump right in it. Four I'm ready. Fork or spoon? Fork. Fireball or magic? What is magic? Fireball. (laughs) Cat or dog? Dog. Candle or aroma diffuser? Aroma diffuser. PS4 or Xbox? PS4. A book or an audiobook? A book. An iPhone or Android? iPhone. A trophy or a speaker? Huh? Uh, I, 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 why? Trophy. Popcorn or fish? Popcorn or fish? I just, I, popcorn. <laughs> Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Baby Yoda or Yoda? Baby Yoda. Oh, man. Blaster or lightsaber? Lightsaber. I'm going to fight anybody who doesn't say lightsaber. (laughs) Kingdom Hearts or Witcher? Witcher. (laughs) Yes, man or no, man? Yes, man. And our last one, if you can go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Um, um, Got to give me an answer. You're on the hot seat. <laughs> uh, um, 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 Italy. Italy, why? 
I I like it there. I want to go back. I want to see the Sistine Chapel again. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's that concludes our uh, first episode of 2020. Woo woo. Yeah. Yes, they said 2020 this time. Hey, look at that. I'm improving. All right. We are officially <laughs> in 2020. We've been initiated. Yes. So uh, this episode uh, was our 2020 vision, what One True Promotion is going to be doing. Um, make sure that you are looking for Alec Pangea on all his social media accounts. You can follow him at Alec Pangea Author, Instagram, A Pangea Author, Twitter, Alec Pangea Dash Author, Facebook, AlecPangea.com, Alec Pangea on Amazon. And of course, as always, you can follow yours truly on Instagram, Facebook, or uh, the Twitter, as we call it, um, all Andrew Best 24. Um, yeah, you know, this was really exciting to do our first episode of 2020. Uh, and I want to thank you, Alec, for being so accommodating for this episode. Um, we were actually supposed to... Um, have another guest on the show but we had a little bit of a um, mix-up so i was kind of glad to kind of put this episode together and kind of put one true promotion on the um, promotion block so to speak absolutely i was happy to discuss it with you my friend so we got a lot of exciting things coming up in 2020 we're going to be speaking to twitch streamer wobbling um, that's coming up fairly soon I've also had um, other people reach out to me. Um, I had another author that wants to come on and speak to us. So it'd be really, really cool to kind of have an OTP version of, um, of um, Talk is Best with, with a special guest author. Um, that's some of the exciting things that we have to look forward for in 2020. And um, there's going to be much, much more. Um, our next episode is most likely going to fit a feature uh, Twitch stream or Wobble Line. But if not, I will announce ahead of time what the episode will be. So thank you all for watching. I'll see you guys next week. Talk is Fast is sponsored by One True Promotion. If you like what you see, subscribe to Talk is Fast through the Anchor app. And while you're there, check out our record a message function where you can actually record a message and get that broadcasted on the show.